Good morning, everybody. This is James with 77 Financial Group. You're listening to 15 Minutes of Finance, where in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to get you excited about investing. Let's do it. Welcome, everybody. Happy hump day to all of you. Uh, Before we get into the news, let's do the term of the day. And today, guys, it's going to be designation. So the term designation, it's I don't know. It's, I don't even know why it's called a designation instead of um, credentials or uh, education. I'm not sure. But it's the three letters or it could be multiple letters, actually. If you have an advisor that you guys work with and their business card says like, so for me, it says James Walters, comma, CRPC. That CRPC is a retirement planning designation. So it's like a go above and beyond education, right? And there's two really, really high quality ones that are considered the gold standard. It's CFA and it's CFP. So both of those are sort of the gold standard. Uh, I'm currently pursuing my CFP. I should have it by the uh, end of March uh, next year. So that's really exciting. But that's considered the gold standard. And there's hundreds of these guys, hundreds of these. So there's CIMA, um, there's there's a life insurance one, an annuity one. There's plenty of different designations. But the reason that's important is because you want to know if your advisor is going above and beyond to get more educated, to be uh, a specialist, have you. So if I were you and you work with an advisor with the designation, I would look at what the three letters are or what the letters are and then I would Google it and see what they're good at. Uh, A lot of these aren't difficult. Like I think my CRPC was maybe 60 hours of studying. I mean, that's still a long time, but maybe 60 hours of studying and I had a, I think it was a hundred question quiz. I had to take proctored um, at a test center. So I mean, it's, it's difficult. You still have to study. It, 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 was, it was challenging, but uh, just keep that in mind if you guys are working with an advisor. Their designation, that's the above and beyond education that they are pursuing. And again, the gold standards are CFA and CFP. Okay, let's see what's happening in the markets today, guys. Asian equity markets close mostly higher, continuing a recent trend of gains, while European indexes are mostly lower. U.S. futures are pointing to a higher open after losing momentum last Saturday afternoon and what has turned into a pattern of choppiness with bouts of volatility. Travel stocks, including cruise lines, have been surging as companies like Carnival and Norwegian prepare to set sail this summer ahead of schedule. Bitcoin's price is back above 40000 for the first time in two weeks, despite even more crackdown measures by China's government, which we'll talk about later. CNBC reported that some crypto traders are using excessive leverage of up to 100 to 1 to borrow against their crypto purchases. Wow. Um, When prices fall, as they did last week, leveraged traders can get wiped out quickly. According to BYBT.com, Bitcoin traders liquidated roughly $12 billion in leveraged positions just last week as the price of cryptocurrency spiraled, wiping out more than 800,000 accounts. We'll talk about that in a second, but that's just, that's obviously really disappointing. Uh, CEOs of the biggest U.S. banks are testifying today in front of the Senate Banking and House Financial Services Committees. Jamie Dimon, Brian Mohinen, and others will be grilled over their role in the pandemic recovery. But they will also be challenged over a drop in lending over the past year, especially to disadvantaged communities, as well as the racial diversity of their workforces, all while having record income growth. The hearing comes on top of a report from Janie Montgomery, which says that two-thirds of bank CEOs had an increase in compensation, averaging around 26% in 2020 amid the pandemic. Uh, Jeez. I mean, obviously, I read these news before I talk about them, but that's just reading it again out loud is is very sad. Um, 
the banks are corrupt. That's all I can say. And to, and to what level of corruption, I don't know. I don't know what managing that much money and that much power does to somebody. But as we can see, it's obviously not producing good things for other people. Um, it's more of like they're turning blind eyes to people that they could be helping. But anyways, let me uh, let me get into the headlines today. I got a couple of headlines that I really like that I want to share with you guys. So first one is Exxon Mobil Corporation, one of the world's largest oil companies, faces a pivotal shareholder vote today amid activist prop activist proposal that is drastically repositioning away drastically repositioning itself away from oil. So sorry, guys, I can't talk this morning. Uh, That is a huge deal. Exxon, a couple years ago, I think it was 2017, said, hey, we do oil. We're going to stick with oil. That's what we're doing. Well, obviously, that's not very intelligent to keep if you want to keep the company going. So good on the shareholders. Um, And we spoke about this a couple weeks ago. If you own one stock in a company, one stock of Exxon, one position in Exxon, you're a shareholder. You get to vote on stuff. So good on the shareholders for making this decision to have this vote. And I hope Exxon goes in a direction that is more electricity. You know, go green, I guess, would be the would be the uh, term. They have one of the best dividend stocks in the world. I'm a big fan of Exxon. I believe that they're a reliable company. And for a lot of my retired clients, I put their money in Exxon or in other dividend uh, yielding securities because they're reliable and they need that dividend. They live off of that dividend. So that's a big deal. Okay. So next is my favorite one. Ford Motor Company, uh, Jim Farley, CEO, faces a major challenge today as investors focus on his long-term electric vehicle strategy for the automaker, whose cars have been built around the internal combustion engine for more than a century. Okay, so I mean, you guys all know the Ford F one fifty, the Model uh, Model T, etc. It goes F one fifty is a staple in the U S. I mean, it's just like the ideal truck. And then if you go back to the very, 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 be, you know, very beginning with Henry Ford, uh, the Model T. So they were sort of the first real vehicle, if we're honest, the first real motor vehicle. And so for them to make this change is sort of them recognizing, hey. Uh, Times have changed. Our method isn't going to work anymore. We need to, you know, pick up if we're going to continue competing with other other countries. Uh, so I really, really like that. Good on Ford. I don't know what kind of vehicles they're going to go for. I mean, they're usually like the country boy, the uh, you know, the rough, the rough and tumble type. I guess you know they work with their hands. So I don't know what they're going to do with these electric vehicles if they can make them look that way or if they can can convince their their real demographic, their real market to hop on this train, on this electric train. It will be interesting to see. Okay, last one. As the U.S. and China trade deal runs into its second year, China's purchases are still running dramatically short of the agreed amount. According to Peterson Institute for International Economics, the deal was signed amid soaring U.S.-China trade tension in early 2020 and just before the COVID-19 pandemic exploded. China agreed to buy at least $200 billion worth of U.S. goods and services over the next two years, compared to 2017. China has reached only 73% of that target this year, and China's purchase of U.S. goods also fell short in 2020. Well, I don't know what that's about, but that is unfortunate. Listen, when you guys make, when countries make these trade deals, it's not difficult to make, like, you're, you're not a... China didn't agree to something that it's not capable of doing, I guess is a, is a better way of saying it. This is China basically giving a big F you. They're, 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 they're doing things their own way, and they've always done this. And for some reason, they get a pass. I don't understand this. Oh, I bet, I bet you the U.S. 
uh, fulfilled their side of the deal. I bet they did. And so the fact that China isn't coming through, there's going to be probably no consequence for them. It's probably just going to keep going. And they probably took that money and invested it in themselves, which is, you know, good for China. I guess they're pursuing, you know, their nationalistic uh, pursuits, but I, I don't know. I don't like that. If you make a deal with somebody, you've got to keep your word. And China is more than capable of doing $200 billion in U.S. goods. More than capable. Uh, okay, guys. Let's get back to Bitcoin here. So, listen. I got Someone asked me the other day, hey, if you're not even allowed to invest in Bitcoin uh, with your client's money, how come you even talk about it? It's the next big thing. I mean, it's in, in whatever format it is. It's either the next market crash. It's either the next currency. It's, it's whatever Bitcoin represents, which is cryptocurrency. It represents the future in whatever capacity that is. Good, bad, ugly, uh, wealthy, poor, whatever it is, it's the future. So I think it's important to talk about it. And I, I don't know. I think that there's ways to make money off of Bitcoin without investing directly in Bitcoin. I have a couple clients that we invest in mining companies. So all they do is strictly mine Bitcoin. Now, that's, uh, you know, someone asked me the other day, is that a producing asset? Something that mines cryptocurrency? And I thought about it and I was like, well, again, it still is only as valuable as people are willing to pay for it. But technically it is. Technically it is a producing asset because it produces a good that somebody wants. So, uh, yeah, we've, I have clients that are invested indirectly and they've been doing really well. Um, but let's talk about the energy consumption again. So China and Mongolia, they're right next to each other. And you never really hear about Mongolia in the news, by the way. That's part of the reason why I wanted to talk about it. I don't think in my 28 years, 28 young years on earth, have I ever heard a storyline about Mongolia even though I know it's a massive country in the, in the, in the, um, Asia, on the Asian continent. It's massive, and I never hear anything about it, so I wanted to touch on it. Mongolia is... Uh, where's my news here? Hold on, guys. Give me a second. Where are you? Where are you? Uh, here we go. Here we go. The future of Bitcoin in China keeps getting darker following last week's statements by the PBOC that cryptocurrencies are not a form of currency and can't be used for payments. Now, the Inter-Mongolian Development and, Re- and Reform Commission, the top regulator in that remote region of China, is cracking down on Bitcoin miners and proposing stiff punishments for companies or individuals engaged in it. Wow. Inter-Mongolia has been cracking down on cryptocurrency mining, which requires massive amounts of computing power and electricity. Um... Where was I? Sorry. That's it. Okay. So I have the numbers here for you guys. Let me read one more thing before I, before I talk about these numbers here. Uh, according to the Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index, Bitcoin mining consumes around 112.57 terawatt hours per year of energy, which is more than entire countries, guys. That's more than the entire country of the Philippines. That's ridiculous. We talked about how the U.S. miners, uh, when they're mining Bitcoin, it takes more energy uh, to mine one Bitcoin than it does to heat a whole house for the winter in Minnesota. This is even worse. This is more energy than a whole country. Uh, But let me give you guys the numbers here. So China accounts for about 65% of the world's Bitcoin mining. And Inner Mongolia accounts for around 8% globally. So that's more than the U.S. The U.S. is about 7.24% of the electricity usage for Bitcoin. But 
think about this. China doesn't even allow it as a currency, and neither does Mongolia, and yet people are still doing it in that country more than anywhere else on earth combined. That's weird to me. That's, again, the China government manipulating some sort of visual appearance, and then yet they're actually mining it. Does that make sense? So they're saying, hey, you can't use that money here, but then people are still doing it in their country. And if you guys know anything about China, they don't really have a uh, rebellious uh, population. So I think that's funny that China is on the outside saying, hey, we don't like this, and yet they're mining it. Just putting that out there. Um, you know, Listen, I got nothing against China as far as the way that they do business. I'm a big fan of some of their electric vehicle companies, a big, big fan, uh, but these practices are obviously uh, suspicious, I guess would be the, the term that I would use. But that is interesting because Bitcoin, there's only 20% left of it. Right. There's, I don't, there's probably even less now. So and the closer and closer you get down to the last Bitcoin, the harder and harder it is to mine them. If 65 percent of the electricity is being used in China, it's statistically likely that China or whoever's mining these coins in China will have the last coins. So they will have the value. I don't know what they're going to do with them. I don't know what any of that means. But that's just an interesting approach to a different market that you know I'm not familiar with um, personally. So, okay, guys, with that said, that is it for today. As always, invest early, invest often. If you guys have any questions or comments or things you guys want me to touch on and uh, discuss, let me know. You guys can reach me, uh, reach me at my Instagram is 77financialgroup, and then my email is james at 77financialgroup.com. All right, guys, as always, invest early, invest often. Have a great one.